0: This is Real Presence Live on the
1: RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Live on your Real Presence Radio Network, which is very, very expanded in the Upper Midwest. It's unreal what God is doing to Catholic radio. And it's great to be with you. We're coming to you live from Bismarck. North Dakota. My name is Monsignor Schumacher, and uh, I'm very, very happy to uh, to be your host. Uh, we had a great interview, uh, two interviews last hour, and we have a great one coming up in the next uh, two hours. Remember, we got tickets to give away. I think we got one more set. If you'd like a pair of tickets for the upcoming Bismarck Mandan Symphony, give us a call, 877 to two, and if your state is not open yet, well, uh I don't know, come to North Dakota or find a find a state that's open because uh the Bismarck Mandan Symphony will be back. Is that right, Beverly?
0: That's right. we've actually been back for a while and but this is our first time that we will be selling individual tickets, so we're hoping for the biggest audience we've had in a year.
1: Beverly Everett is my next guest. she is. Uh, The the director of the Bismarck Mandan Symphony, as well as the Bemidji Symphony. Yes. Am I right on that? And she's my organist here at uh, Corpus Christi. Um, Dr. Beverly Everett, that is. And it's great to have you. How have you been?
0: I've been great. I've been enjoying this beautiful weather. Isn't
1: it something? Isn't it something? I took Romeo down by the river yesterday. Yes. And just, he ran around, got all muddy, (laughs) uh, 62 degrees. We're probably going to do it again today if we can squeeze it in. And, uh, but we're also getting some rain next week, so that's good too. And we're getting some symphony uh, coming up. But first, I want to talk about the concert we're having here at Corpus Christi and Bismarck this Sunday, uh, March seventh. Is this Sunday at two p.m. Beverly Everett will be um, performing with. Ton. Tell me what's going on. Tell me. Tell me what you are going to present?
0: Well We decided to present a recital of psalm settings. Uh, the tradition of setting psalms, whether it be setting the actual text to be sung or setting them instrumentally, has a very long tradition in music and in classical and sacred music tanya found some relatively new settings for oboe and organ and so our first part of the recital the whole thing will be about an hour long if you've not attended a recital like that before and the first half will be tanya and i playing these settings of different psalms i would say the first half i've been thinking about this are kind of the the gentle psalms that we love or the praising songs that we love, psalms that we love, so like Psalm 121 and Psalm 23, um, when we get to the piece on the second half, that gets to a little bit more of the, the, the dicier texts um, as the music expresses that.
1: You will be presenting a piece by Julius Reubka, yes. uh, On on Psalm 94. First, uh, th- let's talk about the artist. Reubke, spelled R-E-U-B-K-E, pronounced Reubke, a German. Uh, Tell us about him.
0: Well, I would venture to guess that unless you are an organist or a huge fan of organ music, you might not have heard of him before. And the reason for that is that he died so young. He died at the age of 24 of tuberculosis. His father was an organ builder and so he knew that craft that trade as well he was highly talented and virtuosic Um, he became a student of the great conductor Hans von Bülow and also of the great organist pianist Franz Liszt and so it was while he was studying with these great masters he composed really two pieces that are still performed today there's a big piano sonata and then this organ sonata. Um, Sometimes we hear organ symphonies. So if you think of the famous symphony by Charles-Marie Vidor, for instance. My favorite, Right? Those are large-scale works that have multiple movements, so they might be within half hour long, but you're playing various sections. This is in a classical sonata form. So it almost a ABA kind of form. Um, the During the time he was writing this in the early 1850s, there was a movement of what we call a neoclassical style. So composers going back to some of these original forms, um, also highly influenced by the music of Franz Liszt. So Franz Liszt wrote, again some really epic pieces for the organ. Um, My teacher from undergrad plays his um, famous piece, Adnos, which is this long involved dramatic work for organ. And so I'm just, I'm excited to play it. I learned this piece years ago in graduate school and I never performed it. Probably once a year for the last four years, I've gotten it out, and I've started it, and I haven't quite had an opportunity, so I'm, I'm pretty excited it's to gonna happen. share this. It's going to
1: happen at Corpus Christi Catholic Church this Sunday afternoon, Sunday, March 7th at 2 p.m. Central Time. Dr. Beverly Everett, uh, you have a, your doctorate is in organ performance?
0: It's in conducting and then organ performance as well, and pedagogy. Uh, is
1: this sonata? On the 94th Psalm by Roibke, is this hard to play? Yes. Why is that?
0: It's technically demanding. He was a virtuosic player, so... Um, what does that mean? It means there's a lot of fast movement for your fingers. And uh, another challenge of the work is that... Um, so in the actual music, in the back of the music, it shows the specks of the organ at the cathedral in Merseburg, that he would have actually played this on and so a lot of times if you look on YouTube for instance and see a performance of this you'll see the organist playing but you'll see people on either side of him pulling stops out Mm -hmm. so the cha- There's a lot of changes within that music, and um, if you're listening, one senior's looking at my score, I'm, I'm and holding it, it, night. it was in a flood before, so that's why that those aren't teardrops. Uh-huh. Those are those are flood. It looks like my funeral book when it rained at the cemetery. <laughs> yeah. um, but there are many, many times where you change registrations, which means we change the sound. And so the piece wasn't necessarily designed to have had all those changes be done, being done by the organist as well as playing. And so to get all that in by yourself is a little bit of a, of a challenge. And, and one of my students, um, I get to teach out at the University of and On my, uh, Monday, one of my students asked me this great question, and he was so sincere about it. He said, is it, is it actually even possible... To play a thirty-minute piece of music and not make a mistake, and I'm sure it's possible. But it was a very good, sincere question because when you, you know, when you start it, you get get it started, and you're going to go for for. When half you make a mistake,
1: you have to recover. Have like to like recover. when I sing the Exalted, you, you you can't go off the rails. You just have to recover, right? Yeah. It's like it's like when my lectors ask me, "How do I say these complicated names?" I say just say it confidently as if you're right, right? <laughs> right. Okay, now, uh Beverly Everett is my guest here. We're going to get to the symphony in a little bit. Uh Eli, we may go past a little 24 here, but why why, why did Roy why, why did he choose the 94th psalm?
0: You know, I've I've researched that a little bit and the the information that I found is that it, it he was thinking of it almost in a social justice type of way. And so it was, at this time, composers were also writing what's called program music, which means a kind of thematic idea. It's interesting to me the specific verses that he chose. Um, So there's a spiritual element to it as well as a social element to it. Um, We will have some slides that will be projected in the church during the playing of this piece, he actually specifies also the exact parts of the scripture that correspond to exact parts of the music. And so, if you're watching those and the slides get advanced correctly, I think you can hear those themes being represented in the music. So, for example, when it the verse that says, "Arise, O Judge of the world," there's a theme that kind of the notes go up in a in an upward manner um, when it talks about the wicked and all that. I mean, it's it's loud and bombastic and and almost a little bit scary. Um,
1: and it concludes, uh, "But the Lord is my refuge. Yes, and my God is my strength and my confidence." Uh, he shall uh, recompense them their wickedness and destroy them in their own malice. And so the, uh, a common title for the 94th Psalm is A Prayer for Deliverance from the Wicked. Uh, so obviously this, this touched him in a, in a dramatic way. Mm-hmm. in a dramatic way. Um, so Dr. Beverly Everett will present this. We we will have this live streamed as well, I believe, yeah. at the Church of Corpus Christi here in Bismarck, 2 p.m. Central Time on Sunday. It's, it'll be great to, to come to a, a concert. We do have a 5.30 Mass that afternoon. If you'd like to attend the concert, maybe grab a bite to eat and come back to Mass. So I, I'm looking forward uh, to this as I hold the score right here of... Um, Julius Reipke's the 94th Psalm. Uh, I didn't realize he lived that short of a life, dying from tuberculosis, and um, you will certainly do um, his gift of life honor on Sunday. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, let's move on to what you have coming up then, is the Bismarck Mandant Symphony uh, on the following weekend. Yes. Uh, tell us what you got coming up.
0: That's going to be a lot of current music. Um, so we're starting out with a piece called "The Wishing Tree." Uh, some of you might recognize the name Marcy Nayroom. She used to be on KX News, and she's going to be our narrator for that. It's a little story about a tree that that wishes that she could be. Starts out wishing she could be the grandest instrument of the orchestra, the grand piano, and then it kind of goes on. Um, you can use your imagination. The 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 uh, lumberjacks keep whittling away until at the very end. I don't want to give away the surprise, but I think she becomes the very best instrument of the orchestra. It
1: reminds me of the giving tree.
0: Yes, yeah, yeah.
1: And so we have to wait to see what that that instrument is. I would say it's a trombone. It's not a trombone.
0: It's. I'm sorry. Okay, it's no. Not okay, a trombone. <laughs> I'm a trombone player. I, I, it's,
1: yeah, hopefully, at least it's brass and not a woodwind. Um, and then, and then, what else is coming?
0: Um, we're playing a new piece. I'm going to hand over this score to you too because it's hot off the press. It's a concerto for violin and cello, written by Lucas Richmond. Lucas is the conductor of the orchestra in Bangor, Maine. Um, But you might recognize he's also written some music for some movies, like As Good As It Gets, um, some television. His father was in television. And so Lucas wrote this piece for some friends of his. It was supposed to be premiered in Atlanta, but that was canceled. So he has graciously let us do a preview performance of it next week with our wonderful concertmaster Everaldo Martinez and his wife, Natalia Vakarchuk, who's our principal
1: cellist. And, um... I'm I'm trying to straight. She hands me the score here, and I thought, you know, oh my God, Beverly, that's. But you like these curved on the end, don't you? So you can turn them. Yeah, okay. yeah. I, I got that. So they're they're not. Uh, I'm, I'm like straight. You know, I get a dollar bill. I straighten it out. I'm trying to straighten out her scores so she can't turn the pages. Then what what else is coming up?
0: Uh then we're playing music of one of my favorite composers, Aaron Copeland, from his opera The Tender Land. That will be our orchestra. Will be joined by two. Soul- Soloist Cole Girdo and Therese Kulas, who are both graduates of the University of Mary. And then as a very special treat, so we're hoping we have audience on Friday night, but if you are in the audience on Saturday night, you're really in for a treat because the University of Mary Concert Choir is going to join us for that very last song of the suite that's called has the text, The Promise of Living. And it's just a uplifting text. It's an uplifting melody. And, you know, with everything we've been through in the last year, I cannot think of a better way to send our musicians and audience out the door that night than, than by, by talking about that.
1: And then uh, you will have um, a Friday performance and a Saturday performance on March 12th and 13th um, at the Bell Mayhus in Bismarck, 7:30 p.m people can still watch online if they want
0: yes the saturday concert will be live streamed and all of that information is on our website org. so
1: um we have some exciting things coming up huh and uh what what do you have going on in bemidji
0: bemidji thank you we have a concert the last weekend in march we have
1: listeners in bemidji right now listening
0: oh awesome we have uh So the last weekend in March, again, a concert of Aaron Copeland. So I'm pretty excited to get to conduct all of this Copeland uh, in the next month. On that concert, all of the music is by Aaron Copeland. So we're doing his piece, Down" from the ballet Rodeo. We're doing his piece, The Quiet City which was incidental music for a play that has a solo trumpet and our solo oboist. And then we're doing one of my absolute all-time favorite pieces of music, his Appalachian Spring. Um, All of this designed for 13 instruments. So we're still in Bemidji. We're still performing, uh, not at our normal venue or with our normal numbers, but we're grateful to get to perform. So we'll be at um, the Bluebell Event Center. We have performances on that. Sorry, the dates aren't coming to my mind. But the, the that last weekend in March, we have a Saturday evening and Sunday afternoon performances. And, um, and the whole concert will be, yes, March 27th and 28th. Uh, thank you. The whole concert will be sort of narrated by... I will do part of the narration, and then a local celebrity, Ernie Rawl will do the other part, and we will be talking about Aaron Copeland and Martha Graham, the great choreographer, and as we explain this music throughout that concert.
1: How did you, how did you, you, you would think, I don't know, uh, you, you'd think you'd be the, uh, the maestro of the Bismarck Mandan Symphony and maybe the Fargo, uh, but Bemidji seems far to drive.
0: Yeah, I just I think because my name starts with B, I just sort okay. of ended up. Like <laughs> I
1: see. <laughs> I it see. Well, it's better in Bowman, I guess. <laughs> no, we appreciate our <laughs> listeners in Bowman. I don't want to get in trouble. So, what else do we need to talk about? Um, the, 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 you, you are a, a professional organist. You really are, and I, I'm privileged as a priest to to have an uh, an organ, a real organ, and a, a and a uh, a person who can play it, um, the the organ is still the preferred instrument of Catholic liturgy, along with chant, which ought to be preserved. And Julius Roibke, you said, was, was an organ builder of the 19th century. Tell me a little bit about what that life may be like, to be an organ builder. Uh, today, you know, it, it would seem a lot simpler today than back then. Tell me about a, a mid nineteenth century organ
0: gosh well, I mean that 's when all the colors were coming up in in those instruments, and they were being expanded and so when I think of the nineteenth century music, both in sacred music and in um, and in classical music and and I should say that for me, those two are so intertwined i mean they're, i don 't separate them in my spirit. Um, just maybe by genre but um, so they would have been experimenting with all of these um, different what we call colors of the organ expanding the use of the pedal board expanding um, the possibly the number of manuals that they had to play on um, so my wh-
1: color is not a visual color this is an auditory color
0: an auditory color by what we call uh, the stops and the different... Um, Which is
1: what we're going to hear on Sunday. Yes. Yeah. Like never before, probably. Yeah. This church has never heard anything that's about to come, probably, right?
0: Right. It, it, yeah, this piece goes... Um, it It's so beautiful that way because it has these beautiful, lyrical, slow parts, and then these wild, dramatic, fast parts. And I think it's a... A perfect balance of the two
1: and you you also teach at the university of mary mm-hmm. you teach organ yes uh, so there are young people learning organ obviously if you teach it there
0: yeah you know it's interesting because there's this thought that it's a dying art and it, and it is in some places i i often think of Um, you know, major institutions of learning like Northwestern University, Drake University, where their organ departments have just fizzled out and they don't have them anymore. But here in Bismarck, the organ is alive and well. And um, we've been for the last two years, two or three years through the diocese doing organ camps in August. Um, Lillian Belinsky is my colleague that coordinates that and it's great fun we go for a week we're at a different church every day during the week we've been at corpus christi before for that and then at the end we do a recital and so all the students even if they've never had any organ training before they have most of them had enough piano that they can play a little something and so we we rotate them all through and do kind of like a master class setting um just this past monday i had five homeschool students um come out to the University of Mary just because they had never seen a pipe organ before, and they wanted to experience that. Um, I've had as many as 11 students at the University of Mary at one time, Um, so it's kind of exciting that I have two high school students I teach currently, um, and thank you, because I get to teach them here at the church. Mm -hmm. Um, That's through the diocese as well, and... They are incredibly talented, and Lillian has quite a few students, too, and some of my students have students. So so wherever else in the world that the organ is kind of dying out, it's not happening. It's not doing so in Bismarck and Mandan, It's kind of thriving.
1: And um, what, what is the greatest organ you've played, personally? Ah,
0: the, the greatest organ I've played is the organ at the Duomo in Florence, and I got to play that. I was just visiting, and their organist was very gracious to let me play that for about 30 minutes one day. And people were walking around, and, and the power of that instrument um,
1: the duomo in florence is the the main church the uh, under Br- brunelleschi's dome uh by the way it's you know remember michelangelo studied brunelleschi's dome to build his dome in rome later on beautiful area florence tuscany my favorite place that's got a good organ huh <laughs> yeah yeah and so what what what's dif- what was just how, what, what was different about that
0: so what was different about that from any other organ I've ever played, and I mean also just being in that space, was that, so like the different, um, we think of this as being different manuals, this would have actually been different organ keyboards located throughout the Duomo with the ranks of pipes so as you played you're not just hearing a reverberation you're literally hearing a sound come from what sounds like the other room and it's all controlled by this one place and we i was there in may and they had just gotten a new i kind of i called it the mothership that's probably not the correct term but the main console that controls all of that and they had just gotten a new one in December, so it wasn't even a year old. And um, But getting to play on that with with just the beauty of what was around me and the power of that
1: was just really a treat. The Duomo, Florence, Italy. Uh, I wish I could uh, have Pranzo there with you right after this show, maybe sometime. And I also took a group uh, to the Notre Dame in Paris right before it burned, oh, wow. recently before it burned, and we, we heard that organ. As well, and uh, but you will uh, hear it if you're um, available to come out on Sunday uh, here at Corpus Christian Bismarck, two p.m. Dr. Beverly Everett will present the uh, the sonata of the 94th Psalm by Julius Roibka, and I'm looking forward to that. And again, uh, are the tickets given away? We're giving away tickets for the um, upcoming Bismarck Mandan Symphony. I think we still have a pair left, Eli said. Uh, it's a Friday and Saturday, uh, not this weekend, but next weekend, March 12th and 13th. If you like the last pair of tickets, we're giving away eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two. So, Beverly uh, Everett, we've visited with you about a lot of things. Anything we've missed?
0: I think we've covered it Any all. Any parting
1: words? Anything you want to say?
0: I just want to say thank you all, and thanks for having me here. And it's such a blessing to get to play here at Corpus Christi and be part of these masses, and and we're very grateful that you're here. We're we're
1: coming back, and masses are coming back uh, all over the place. So join us again, and I'm looking forward to Sunday. All right. We're coming back uh, on uh, after the break here as we do come up on 27 Minutes Past the Hour. My name is Monsignor Schumacher. It's great to have you with us. And I'm going to visit with Steve Ray after this break to run this show to the end. And I'm looking forward to that as well. We'll be back in just one moment. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network.